Good morning, welcome to Emmett Audio. I have a friend who's a business consultant who helps large businesses. But he said something yesterday that I thought would be appropriate to you guys listening, which is that any business needs to start with a sound financial model and then continue with some sort of competitive advantage and that you need to start with those two things if you're going to be successful at continuing, let alone growing. And I thought that was so important because these two things contain <coughs> some stuff that I think other people, most of us would normally articulate as being the things you need to start, but they're subtly different. So let me explain. You need to start with a sound financial model. You need to start with a, a model that's actually going to work. So, I think what happens to most craftspeople is they make a thing because they love it. And then at some point they think, oh, I wish I could sell this. And then they look online and they either get discouraged right away because they feel like there's no way that they could sell it for the price that anyone seems like they're willing to buy it for. Or they find an example in their field of somebody who is selling stuff for a price that makes their eyes light up. And then they say, oh, well, that could be me. And then they go and try and sell it and it doesn't sell. And maybe they beat their head against that wall for a couple months, a year. And they despair about the fact that the world isn't going to support them at the level that they feel like they deserve. If that sounds like you, it also sounded like me. I was exactly both of those things about my spoon carving at various points in time. And it wasn't until I found a sound financial model that things started to work for me. So a sound financial model that I figured out that worked for me was to take a much longer view of what I was going for. I started to have the perspective that <clears throat> I didn't have the awareness of who I was and I didn't have the skill to create the prices that I wanted. And I also realized that if I got more skilled, that the whole notion of pricing would get easier if I got faster. So all of these levers are moving and affecting each other and 
multiple ways at once. At any rate, I realized that I needed to take a much longer view of what I was doing. And that I was essentially... Um, I had gotten an inflated sense of how much I could earn now, and it was ruining my chances of turning this into a, something that actually earned me real money over time. Because there's a big difference between selling one or two spoons at the price that you want and selling spoons over and over and over again. So you've got to get those things into alignment. Now that's just the financial model that works for my spoon carving business. I have different financial models at play with Spoonosaurus Magazine. In that case, it's more about scalability and replicatability. Replicability? I don't know how to say that. <clears throat> right? Because although it is a physical product and is not as easy to distribute as a digital product, it is something where I can print more and have systems that are fairly easy for me to scale and therefore something that earns me nothing at smaller scale as it grows can earn me more and more and more and I'd say we're in the middle phase of that right now after three years with my Christmas tree farm it's a different financial model still that's the model of developing a customer base that comes back for a once a year thing that becomes part of their tradition and having a reasonable price that I slowly increase every couple of years so that I bring people along with me while I raise the price from where it was, which was really dirt cheap, was how my predecessor had it, to something that with the same amount of work earns me a significant amount of money. So those are my three financial models for the three businesses I currently have. But I've had other businesses where the financial model didn't make as much sense. <clears throat> it wasn't as flexible, it wasn't as scalable, it didn't have a long-term vision in place. Uh, and the point is, is that the financial model drives everything. If all you've got is a thing that you're already spending time and lots of money making and you're hoping to find a buyer, that's putting the cart before the horse. Now you won't necessarily know what your financial model should be right off the bat, so it's okay for the cart to be before the horse, but you need to be trying to figure it out because when you figure it out, that's when things start clicking. Now let's get to the second part of my friend's points. And he had he had more points, but they were less applicable to uh, solopreneurs, uh, people who work for themselves, than, it, than for businesses. So I'll, I'll leave them be for now. The second thing you need to have in place is some sort of competitive advantage. <coughs> because if you figure something out and it's easy, then it won't be very long before other people figure it out too. So you need to have some sort of competitive advantage. Otherwise, you're just selling a commodity, say, 
then people will figure it out. I, I think this is part of what happens to people who, uh, let's say, let's get bring it real tight to the spoon carving scene. Sometimes to me, it feels like there's a bit of an arms race in the spoon carving scene as more and more people become really excellent at coal rosing or chip carving, which is wonderful. These are often people who sell their work, struggle to sell their work for what it takes them to do this kind of intricate work. And as more and more people do it, it both becomes more impressive, but also becomes more devalued because other people are on similar journeys and gaining similar skills. And and the type of person who wants to buy a spoon like that, as it becomes a more crowded field, it becomes harder to stand out with your skill, even as the level of skill required becomes greater and greater. Because even though there was some first mover advantage, right, of the people who were very good at this sort of thing early on, they've kind of been caught up now and in many instances surpassed by this whole crowd of people coming up behind because the barrier to entry is simply your time and fascination with the thing. There's no other barriers to that. And it's right in line with what people are trying to do. And so the skill to learn how to do this stuff is something that can be developed by someone carving a couple spoons a week for a year or two. You can become very, very good at this sort of thing. Now, the backbone of my spoon carving business is providing spoon blanks to people. And while I'm certainly not the only people providing, the only person providing blanks, and I'm certainly not the only person who has access to wood. A couple things have helped me. One is the competitive advantage I have of how readily I have access to wood. I have access to a lot of wood. The second is that I was first in providing spoon blanks to other people. So I developed a base of customers who found me and have become repeat customers to me instead of to someone else. The third advantage is that I've been able to gain a stronger reputation online than most of the other people who are also selling spoon blanks. <clears throat> and. I've set up my business to do it more flexibly than other people. So I've been able to capture more interest than if I sort of tried to make it as maximally efficient as possible and only crank out a certain type of blank. 
And then finally, I'd say that having started the magazine has given me a voice, an awareness that people have of what I do that otherwise might not exist. Okay, forgive me. I just paused to interact with someone else walking up with a really sweet dog. <clears throat> okay, I'm not going to go into what the different competitive advantages I have for my other businesses are, but you get the point that there's, there's a barrier to entry on multiple levels of why someone else won't be able to outcompete me in the thing that I do. At least not to the point they might be able to start up their own successful thing and I'm all for that, but they're not going to be able to outcompete me in the sense that they're going to make it difficult for me to continue doing my thing. So, and and generally, if you do things well, the further along you get, the more your advantages can accrue. So, it's easier for me now to get wood <clears throat> than it was when I started. So I'm in a less tenuous position there. My skill level at making blanks or carving spoons at this point is much higher than it was. So I can both work more quickly, do it for longer, have more customers, help more people. It keeps growing and so the buffer that provides me against someone um, making it difficult for me to have success doing my work is increased. So in general, if you can find something that you like doing that's working out and keep doing it and you do it well and you let it grow and you adapt and you change and you become more skilled and you are successful at making the situation more robust and stable, your competitive advantage will solidify. It's at its most tenuous at the beginning because <coughs> you don't have anything sorted out then. So there's a way in which at the beginning, you know, you want to look at what opportunities you have and, <coughs> excuse me, junk in my throat. You want to look at what opportunities you have and ask yourself what could I do that would have some component of competitive advantage to it? Because if all you do is, is do the thing that you are passionate about doing, you might not actually have any competitive advantage in there at all, in which case it becomes much more difficult to get something to stick. Not because you lack passion, but because you lack competitive advantage. Hey, Maisie, hold on, kiddo, you got a tick on your face. Hold on, hold on, let me see, let me see, let me get it. There we go. Okay, Willa, hop in. Um, okay, I'm back. There you go. All right, <clears throat> hold on, I gotta take off my weight. You can hear it shake the truck right here. Not. I didn't thump it down. So the reason that those two things are so important, 
figuring out the financial model and figuring out what your competitive advantage is, is that a successful business will be built off of those two things. And then it also will tie into something that you enjoy. Right? And But maybe the thing that you enjoy doesn't have really anything to do with the business, right? Like maybe your competitive advantage is that you could run a porta potty company. And it's not that you love porta potties, but you have all the competitive advantages. And maybe you love some other aspect of the business that, uh, you know, it allows you to. I don't know what, but you can see my point that it doesn't, they don't have to be, they don't have to be directly linked. You can like working with people, for instance, and have a business where the actual business part of it is something that people need, but it's, you know, that part doesn't make your heart sing. It's more the, the ability it gives you to work with people or have a great crew or <clears throat> different, different things uh, can make you happy. A lot of times it has to do with does it give you the life that you want, the lifestyle that you want. So for me, I love working with people if it's the right people, but I, I've learned over the years that it is more predictably possible for me to be happy working by myself for myself than it is for me to be a part of a crew, whether working for someone else or, or leading a crew myself. There's it's just a much more difficult thing that's I'm less likely to get right all the time. So a big part of why I choose to do the work that I do is because it allows me to work by myself, for myself, at home. <clears throat> and, and also allows me to avoid being a servant to other people. I've had other businesses where I was much more like showed up and help somebody do the thing that they wanted done and that uh, that was I basically I had like a custom mowing services where I'd go mow people's properties where it was too small to do with a tractor too large to do with a lawnmower <clears throat> and I would mow it with a scythe and what I found was that while the money per hour was good money for me at the time that I hated the part of it where I would show up, I had to drive to other people's places, and then I had to essentially adapt what I was doing to their needs um, in a way that felt like I was sort of being yanked around by their whims. I have no problem with adapting to people's needs, meeting people where they want to be met, as long as I don't feel yanked around in the process. And so that financial model didn't work for me in part because it created a life that I didn't like so you've got to ask yourself you know what what is the life that you want and you got to be honest with yourself because you might tell yourself well I just want a life where I don't have to work and I think most people actually wouldn't be happy with that we want to work happiness is found through working it's just that your current job might not actually be satisfying to you and might leave you feeling like you just need to stop but if you ask yourself when are you happy when you're working that can give you an insight into what sort of situation you're looking for which can then inform the financial model and you combine that with what your competitive advantage might be and all of a sudden you uh, you have a situation where 
um, backing into my spot, <clears throat> all of a sudden you have a situation where these elements are put into place and they really start to work together. And you have a business that is a proper successful business at a level that's very different from saying, well, I make this thing and then I, I sell it online. That's not a business unless you're able to do it at a scale and with a time frame uh, that proves that, that the business model actually works. Thank you for listening. Talk tomorrow.